Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chronicles of a Sunflower. Today is the first episode of 2024, and I'm very much excited, but at the same time also very nervous, um, because this, uh, this podcast episode is, uh, I think it's probably gonna be one of the most, like, vulnerable, um, episodes that I will share, (laughs) Um, as you can tell, I'm, like, a little bit nervous just because, um, yeah, it's, um, it's gonna have to deal about how, how I found out that my brother was diagnosed with, uh, leukemia and how he had to go to Mexico and eventually he passed away before we could arrive, uh, to the hospital. And so, you know, his, uh... It's going to be 16 years this Sunday since he passed away. And um, for many of you that don't know, I had an older brother. His name was Fide. And he was by far the most amazing human being that ever walked this planet. Um, He's the reason why I love sunflowers, why I love yellow. Um, My whole existence revolves around the legacy that my brother left behind. And so, um, because his, uh, his death anniversary is coming up this Sunday, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to challenge myself to discuss about this particular time in my life that was very hard at age eight and how I'm still kind of learning how to overcome that death of my brother because I feel like every time we come around this time of my life like it's still very uh very heavy and very hard for me um so um I believe it was it was like during during the summer or during early fall my um my brother was getting these like weird kind of pimples all over his mouth and then the inside and um I remember that you know my brother had like gone to multiple doctor visits but I had really like no idea what was like kind of like going on until one day um my mom had picked me up from school and we um we went straight to the Tri-City um Tri-City is this like hospital that's located close by to our home and we were gonna go pick up my brother and I guess he had done some exams over there um I still had no idea what he was going through um and um that was yeah that was probably back in like early October or so um but it didn't start to get a bit serious until my parents one day They were discussing about possible treatments for my brother because they had found out that he had cancer. Um, And as an eight-year-old, you don't really like, like I had no idea what cancer was. Like, I don't think there was that much like at school, they didn't really talk about it that much. Now, like now it's like everywhere. Like there's so much information and everything. Um, But when I was a kid, when I was eight, I had no idea what was going on. And so what happened was that it was, I still remember it vividly, 
It was Christmas Day, and uh, I had, I think it was like the week before we went on Thanksgiving break, our teacher had made us, Miss Carsey, yeah, that was that was her name, Miss Carsey made us, uh, she made us do this, uh, this project, this like Christmas uh, project, where we would get a sock, and we would fill it up with a bunch of like little rocks, and um, then we uh, would build like a little, um, I think it was like a little hat, draw a little face, and make it make a little like scarf for it. It was like a red scarf. Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, it was so beautiful. I um, I remember Miss Carsey said, uh, so this little like snowman (laughs) give it to somebody that really needs it this christmas this holiday and dedicate that like gift to them and so i remember that i you know i wrapped it i wrapped it in this like red like wrapping paper and i was like i'm gonna give this to my brother and so christmas day came and you know we were all opening presents i remember that my brother he was such a big 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 person on like you know recording everything um and he recorded this last christmas that we had together in the other house that we we used to live closer to uh, downtown vista and he he was so happy and we were all very happy because you know it was it was a uh, it was the last christmas we were gonna have together and I feel like if now, now that I'm like older, if, you know, my brother would have been diagnosed with, uh, with leukemia now that I was like, you know, 24, I would have done a lot more. <laughs> I mean, I know that like, you know, that, that I think I still have it. I'm gonna try to see if I can find it, but, um, yeah, I would have definitely d- done a lot more than just, uh, got him like some stuff from like Burlington or Walmart and then the the little sock snowman but I remember that I um there was the last present and it was mine it was the snowman and they're like oh so who's who's that for and I remember like grabbing it from like below the Christmas tree and I looked at my brother and I was like Pide this is for you and I remember he gave me a smile and he's like, oh, you got me another present? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he unwrapped it and he saw the snowman and I was like, yeah, Miss Carsey said to give it to somebody that really needed it. And he's like, oh, Karen, thank you so much. And yeah, I remember I was so proud of my snowman. <laughs> it was such a silly snowman, but you know, it, it made my brother really happy. Um, so fast forward to a couple of days after that, my parents, um, well, they had taken the decision that my brother was going to get treated up in, uh, Mexico instead, because here in California, the treatments were incredibly expensive and we weren't able to really afford paying all the medical expenses for his uh, cancer treatment. So, um, so I remember that night, because they left that night, um, my grandma, my dad, 
they were all getting all the stuff ready and my brother he had two of his like really close friends uh there with us it was maribel and marisa i remember they came they even like got him this like kind of like big um it was like a big bottle of like a bunch of like kettle corn popcorn and i don't know there's all these goodies that they give like during like the holidays the christmas holidays yeah and um they were all there and we were all kind of just like waiting for for when was the time to say goodbye and i remember that you know when it was time for for them to go you know my brother hugged us and you know he told us that he promised that he would be back home soon on um, and then probably like a healthier um better state and uh oh i'm sorry you guys um yeah if uh if i were to go back in time and really really travel back in time and grab a little eight-year-old karen yeah i would have probably told her you know what just jump in that car just just jump in that car don't don't like stay here no matter what because your brother's your brother's gonna pass away next month in like a couple of weeks um yeah and knowing me i would have probably jumped you know i would have not cared i would have been like mom Beto, i'm sorry but laters <laughs> you know uh yeah um i remember standing in the um in the front door with my sister my mom and marisa and maribel and uh yeah they all they all stood there and we we waved goodbye as my brother he had this amazing beautiful kind smile on his face because he was so excited to go back to his home country because he really did miss mexico a lot he missed it so much and he was just very excited to go back and so um i remember that the house was very lonely without my dad my grandma and my older brother me my mom and Beto. i remember that my cousin jasmine and my cousin celeste they would all come and like spend the night with us and even my cousin maritza too they would all come to keep us uh company during uh this really like difficult time um even like there's like some funny story where my um my neighbors they uh they had thrown this huge huge new year's eve party um and since the houses were so close um we literally would hear like all the classic music like you know from el venado to la vaca to el caballo dorado all these like mexican like classics that you hear in the in the family parties you know they were playing it and they literally I, I would assume that they didn't go to sleep till like 3 or 4 a.m. Because, yeah, I remember my mom woke up and it was like 2. And she was like, oh my god, they're still playing. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. My my cousin Jasmine and I, we were holding to our, um, to our little, uh, we had these like little stuffed animal sheeps. And also Maritza was there too. Um, 
so me and Jasmine were in the middle, Maritza was on one side and my mom was on the other. And yeah, we were like, yeah, they're still wide awake. But um, yeah, thankfully by five o'clock AM, they were already asleep. Um, but yeah, I remember that, um, that, that was New Year's. And then more people would keep coming to the house. A lot of my sister's friends would come. And yeah, I, I just remember constantly having a lot of people over. Um, but yeah, I definitely did get to a point where like my mom was like really overwhelmed by having like so many people over all the time. So I think it was a couple of days before I had a, I had all my cousins over. I had my cousin Abby, um, my cousin Fidel, my cousin Bardo, yeah, those three, I know for sure, they were there at my house, and we were playing, we were just, like, playing with the camera, because my sister had this, like, Canon camera, um, and we were taking, like, a photo shoot (laughs) upstairs, and I remember that my sister came up to me, and she said, hey, Fida wants to talk to you, and I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I grabbed the phone and I told him, hey, Fide, like, how are you? And he was like, oh, I'm doing good, Karen. I'm just here in the hospital, but how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm just here playing with the cousins with the camera. And they're like, oh, he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, they're really having fun. Like, I'm their model. And um, he was like, oh, Karen, I'm so happy to hear that you're, that you're happy and that you're doing okay. And... I was like, yeah, well, well, I'm okay, but, you know, I was like, but when are you, when are you coming back, you know, like, mom is, mom is really sad, like, she's, she's starting to cry a lot, and, you know, it's always better, like, I'm just, I don't know what's going on, and, um, my brother was like, listen, Karen, I am, I promise I'm going to be back soon. I'm going to be, like, back soon, like, even before you can even, like, blink an eye. And I was like, really? Like, you're going to come back? He's like, yeah, I'm going to come back. I want to be with you guys. And so I was like, you promise? And he's like, yes, of course I promise. And so I was like, okay, well, I was like, I'll let you go, but I love you. And he's like, I love you too, Karen. And that turned out to be the last conversation I ever had with my brother because a couple of days after that my brother started getting really um severely ill um he had to be rushed into the hospital and uh the doctor had told my dad that you know either my brother would get a chemotherapy but there were high chances that he wasn't going to make it on the first try. And so I remember my mom being extremely nervous throughout those couple of days. And one night, I remember that it was me, my mom, Jasmine, and my cousin Celeste, and Vero. We, you know, we had gone, me and Jasmine and my mom, we had gone to sleep early. And, um... And we were just, uh, you know, we were, we were asleep. And all of a sudden, this, like, 
our, our light turned on. Like, it just turned on automatically, which is something that, till this day, I find super rare and strange because my mom says that, you know, she, she woke up and I also remember seeing the light turned on and, you know, she went and she thought that, like, my sister had, like, come to, like, tell her something about my brother, but it turns out that my sister and my cousin Celeste were in the room and on the computer and they hadn't gone, like, at all to go turn on the light. So, um, my mom comes back, she comes back to the bedroom, and she goes back to sleep, and then I would say either a couple of minutes or a couple of hours later, she gets a really scary call, the kind of call that, you know, as a parent, you would never want to hear that call. Um, it was my dad, and he had told my mom that my brother was really, really bad, and that we had to rush to the airport and try to get here as fast as we could because there was just a possibility that my brother wasn't going to be able to make it. And so I remember waking up, the door was wide open and I was hearing a lot of voices. I turned around, I didn't see my cousin Jasmine and neither my mom. So I started walking to the room and I see my sister just throwing a bunch of uh, a bunch of clothes in in her case. My mom was just like sitting in the bed frantically like shaking and with the phone in her hand. And I guess she was speaking to my my tío Eloy uh asking if he could like take us to Tijuana. Uh, to catch a plane and um, my tia Irma Celeste and Jasmine's mom was there too and she looked at me and she's like mija come so I can like you know get you dressed and I was like tia like what's going on and you know that's when um you know that's when they told me they're like Fida está muy mal Fida's really sick and um and I was, you know, like, I was like, what? You know, I had just woken up. I had no idea. And I was like, but I just spoke to him, like, not too long ago. And he said he was fine. He's, they were like, I know, I know. But, you know, let's get dressed. Let's get you dressed. And so, yeah, my mom, you know, my uncle Eloy and my tia Olga, they all came, like, real quick. And, um... I remember telling Jasmine, I was like, oh, can you please take good care of my, um, my fish? It was this betta fish called Fernando. He was red, and that was the only time I ever had a red, um, betta fish. Um, because right now I just, I, and even till this day, I feel like I can never have another, like, betta red fish. Because it just reminds me of, um, reminds me of my brother and, you know, everything that happened. Um... So yeah, she she took care of my of my fish and um and so yeah, I remember we we jumped into my my tío Lois car and I saw I saw my cousin Jasmine, my cousin Celeste and and my tía Irma, they were all there in the house. And um I could see that they started crying. And you know, like 
I don't know if I did cry at that point, but like, I feel like, you know, they're the only cousins that I can say that they understand my pain of what it's like to lose a sibling. Because they also lost their sibling, their younger sibling, and um, I feel like they kind of knew what was coming. They were probably more prepared already than I had been. Um, because all I knew was that like my brother wasn't feeling well and that we had to rush. And so my mom was like, we need to stop by at Wells Fargo. Like, we need to stop by because I need to get money so that I can pay um, for for the, the tickets. And so I remember that um, we, pass, we passed by the Wells Fargo. And as soon as my uncle parked, I think it was like, I don't know, it, I think it was like 2 in the morning, 2 or 3. Um, my dad called my tío Eloy. And I remember everybody froze. And my tío said, oh, it's Javier. And he picked up and... It was the shortest conversation they could have ever had. And all you could hear was my tío said, Okay, no worries. I'll let them know. He hanged up. And I remember my tío like dropped his gaze. I started shaking. Vero started shaking. And my mom, my mom just started frantically yelling at my uncle, like, what had my dad told her? And, you know, my aunt too was like, what happened? And then my mom was like, please tell me that my son is still alive. Please tell me that he's still alive. My tío turned around, looked at my mom, and said, I'm really sorry, Lupe, but your son is no longer here anymore. I felt like that moment... I wanted to just turn off completely. Hearing my mom frantically yell. And so did my sister. I completely felt numbed. And I felt like I had surrendered to all darkness that could possibly exist in this world. We didn't make it. That's all I like said in my head. We didn't make it. He left. And I know he wanted to see us. (sighs) 
For a long time, I've always felt like I let my brother down in that aspect because I know that he wanted us to be there with him in his last days. And, you know, we we also had hope that he was going to make it. And I, I don't know, like after, after w- witnessing the cruelty of death and how your loved ones can just disappear like within an instant, you know, I, I've always told my sisters, I was like, no matter what, like no matter if you're like at the borderline of dying, please don't leave without me saying goodbye to you. Because I don't want, I don't want to have that same ending, you know, like the one that I had with Fide. I don't want that. I just don't. No matter how hard it is to say goodbye to you, like I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna not like be there. I have to, because not being there for him has always been something that has always like you know during these times it roams around my mind a lot so i um i remember just getting on a plane and my sister didn't want to talk to me my mom was just holding my hand. She was she was just numbed. They were all quiet. And I remember we we got to our house in Mexico and there were so many people, so so many people. And I remember that me and Vero we uh we went upstairs and uh we went straight to my brother's room and you know you could still smell his like essence of him and i remember that me my mom and vero we all just like buried our heads in his bed and uh we cried we cried so much we yelled My brother grew up in that house, you know, and uh, in a way, I'm glad that, you know, he got to go back to his hometown and and be in the place that he he loved the most. Because that's that's how he felt most connected was being in Morelia and being surrounded by all his childhood friends and my aunts and uncles. And, um, yeah, I remember that we, uh, we went to the place where we were gonna, um, stay for a whole night to just, uh, mourn. And, uh, I remember getting to the place and my mom, she had my dad and my tío Eloy and a couple of my other uncles there with her. And when my mom saw my brother in his casket, my mom fainted. My um, 
my mom couldn't really be like sometimes too close to the casket because she would just she just had like so much anxiety and I had never like seen her in such a state like that um yeah I think seeing him there it um it's an image that it's never gonna erase no matter how much you try to like you know take it out of your mind I feel like even if I were to have like a car accident or something and part of like my memory would get lost I don't think that would get lost because it's just so it's just so engraved in my mind that I could still remember what he was wearing, how his hair looked, and uh, he looked so peaceful. <sighs> but, you know, it's just, it's sad. I, I, I feel like, you know, thanks to, to my family my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family, our friends from Mexico who are practically like family. It um it felt so nice that um when uh some of uh, my mom's friends were taking care of me, making sure I ate because, you know, I was really sad. Um I was very very sad. And, um, I remember that Danny, um, one of my mom's, like, uh, so there's Jenny. It's my mom and my grandma's, like, really good friend. And Jenny has a son, an older son, named, uh, Danny. And, uh, yeah, he, um, I remember he took me out to eat. We went to this, uh, gasoline station called OXO. And he got me, a a sandwich and a soda and we were outside and I was eating my my sandwich but I remember there was some jalapenos and then I stopped eating it I apologized to him for that I wasn't able to finish eating it because it was just too spicy and he said that it was okay that he was just glad that I had to eat some food um but um yeah I even appreciated that my my childhood friend, my first friend, his name is Diego. He was there too. He was there to support me and be there for me. And, um, yeah, we, uh, the next morning we had mass for my brother and, uh, and then came the really heavy thing to do, which was to say goodbye to him officially. And, um, I remember my brother was the biggest social butterfly and, uh, he had a lot of great friends. They all came to his funeral. I feel like the amount of family that came was just as equivalent as the number of friends that came to my brother's funeral. And, um. I remember that uh we um I looked at the casket and uh they started lowering down. 
and that was really hard. It was really hard to try to even put it into words. And I kept being lower, lower down to the point that like they started putting dirt. And I remember that my mom said, okay, we need to get out of here. She's like, I can't see this anymore. And so we left and, uh, yeah, I think we, um, we stayed in Mexico for like a, a solid month and a half. My godmother, my madrina diose, I remember that she, uh, she notified all the schools about, you know, what had happened so that, you know, my sister's high school and my elementary, they wouldn't like kick us out and uh yeah it was it was it was tough you guys i um you know it's moments like these where i wish my brother's grave was so close to where i am so that every year i could go like just like lay there and like you know get him his sunflowers read him a poem you know, anything, but, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's in Mexico, and I, I can't go, um, so, yeah, (laughs) I, I, I warned you guys, I was gonna get super emotional about this, because, yeah, my brother is, like, my softest spot, (laughs) He is my softest spy, my greatest influence, my greatest motivator in life. I'm sorry about Lembero, <laughs> but we all know Feed is the one that motivates us all. Um, yeah, I um, I miss him. I miss him a lot. I I miss him every every time we get to these these dates. I uh, I wish he he could see the woman that I'm becoming which I hope that there is like a place for him where he could actually like see me um but yeah my brother is just uh he was the greatest human being he really was he was so strong and I don't recall him ever being scared about you know, knowing that his life could end at any point. He uh, enjoyed his last days to the max. He really did. And I'm glad that he did. Because that's what he deserved, you know. To not live by the rules and just do what made him happy. Um... And, uh, that's why I admire him so much, and I will continue to lead by his example as much as I can, because there will never be another Fide. (laughs) There was only one, and that was him. And I adore him. I adore him so much. I... I know that he's listening and 
Fide, wherever you are, man. <laughs> I just want you to know that I hope you're proud of me as much as I am proud of you. Because even after you're gone, you still have made such a big impact in my life. You will never be gone. I know you promised me that I was always going to live and <laughs> I was going to live in other people's hearts and you were going to live in my heart. So I've come to realize that that while I'm alive, your presence will be here, will be here with me. Because you knew all along that I was gonna be the person that was gonna that was gonna keep your soul alive in my parents' life and in our sisters' lives. And it's by doing the letters from heaven that I do from you. So I love you, Fide. Please never forget that wherever you are and just know that that I'm going to live the best life that you imagined it to be. So without further ado, you guys, I hope you guys have a great rest of your your month. If I if you don't hear from me because I do have like a couple of like new like an internship and work and last semester of school um but i love you guys so much and thanks again for listening to this podcast episode please take good care of yourselves please 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 take good kid good good care of yourself and uh yeah until next time <laughs>